This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In Matthew 9:12, Matthew 9:12, when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So in other words, he's saying there, if you're whole, you need not come. What do you need me for? So he uses the word when he says, come unto me all ye. He uses the word ye. He didn't have to use that. When he said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, verse 28, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He says, come unto me all you who are laboring and way down under this load. And by using the word ye, he's saying, you know who you are. I'm calling to you as an individual, not as a group, but to you as a person, an individual. His invitation is to the broken that they should run into the arms of Jesus. He's the savior. He's able, he's able. So what it says in Hebrews 7.25, 7.25, Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. See, this is one of the greatest invitations that the Lord Jesus ever made to man. And it's come right on the heels of this, verses like 23, Capernaum, you're gonna be brought down to hell. And he's declaring that people are gonna be, on one hand, he's saying, these people in Capernaum are gonna be brought down to hell. And at the same time, he's saying, come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden, I'll give you rest, but exalted to heaven. Now, what is that? What is that that he's doing there? One hand, he's saying people are gonna be brought down to hell, and the other side, he's gonna be brought to hell. What is that? That's Romans 5.20 in action. Romans 5.20 in action. Romans 5.20 says, where sin abounded, people being brought down to hell, grace did much more abound Come unto me, and I'll give you the rest of heaven. So where judgment abounds, salvation more abounds. 
That's Jesus. This is Jesus. This is our Savior. This is why we love him. This is why we adore him. So this is the great answer. This chapter opens in verse 3. In verse 3, chapter 11, Matthew 11, 3. Matthew 11, 3. The great question is, he said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And the great answer to this question is, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's the answer. He's the one. So he makes this call to those who feel this great need in their lives. He calls out to those who feel that they just got to find a deliverance from this life of working so hard under this crushing burden of no rest or restlessness of insecurity inside, no internal peace. And the Lord makes this call to those who feel this way. And as he does this, the Lord is spanning, he's looking at the total, complete horizon of everyone, of mankind. He sees everyone on earth before he makes this call. He sees everyone from Gentiles to Jews, from the poor to the rich, from the unknown people to the famous people, to those who live on the street, to those who live in mansions, to those who never went to school, to those who are university professors, from those who have achieved nothing in life to Nobel Prize winners, from those who've never been to a house of worship to theologians, from those who've never seen a Bible to those who have memorized the Bible. So he sees all of these people. He sees this complete span, the spectrum of all people, and he gives this invitation, and he inserts this one word, which he didn't have to do, but he says, come unto me all. He didn't have to use that word all. He could have just said, come unto me, you that labor. But he said all, because he doesn't want anyone to be excluded from all those different people he sees. His invitation is to everyone, it's to anyone who has this feeling in their lives that they're tired of living a life, of working hard to get somewhere. Maybe they don't even know where they want to get to, but just they know they haven't gotten there. And they're just under this heavy load that's giving them this no peace, no rest. They have no rest. So his invitation is to anyone and everyone who just feels this need in their lives, and that's why he uses the word all. He uses the word all in verse 28. Come ye unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, because he wants no one to be excluded. He says all because 1 Timothy 2.4, he, 1 Timothy 2.4, he will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He says the word all in his invitation because 2 Peter 3.9, 2 Peter 3.9 the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to him, come to repentance. He says the word all in his invitation because of 1 Timothy 2.6, 1 Timothy 2.6, he gave himself a ransom for all. He says the word all in his invitation because of 1 John 2.2, 1 John 2.2, he's the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So use the word all. And so people listen to this. You kind of wonder, 
What were people thinking when they heard this? What do people think? I have a friend, I have a Jewish friend. Far from God, he's an atheist. I almost smile when I say this. This is his favorite verse in the Bible. <laughs> Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. It's his favorite verse. His invitation in verse 28, it resonates with so many people because there's so many different conditions of laboring and struggling in life under a heavy burden. There are those who struggle in life under the load of the law of God, the Torah, trying to keep the Torah. And if that's not enough, then all the added weight of the traditions which the scribes and the Pharisees loaded onto people, as it says in Matthew 23, 4. Matthew 23, 4. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Matthew 7, 8. Mark, sorry. Mark 7, 8. Mark 7, 8. Laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. So, so to those, he promises a rest. And the rest is Romans 10.4, Romans 10.4. Christ is the end of the law. He's a fulfillment. He didn't come to destroy, he came to fulfill. Romans 10.4, he's the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. And then there are those who are struggling in life under this sense, this burden of sin and guilt. They feel guilty, they feel sinful. And like the publican, like the publican in Luke 18.13, Luke 18.13, the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. He smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He wouldn't even lift his head. He couldn't lift his head up to the sky. And to him, or to people like him, he promises 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then there are those who struggle in life under a sense of just not being worthy not being worthy of being like abandoned in life, like the prodigal son, the prodigal son in Luke 15, 19, Luke 15, 19, where he said, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. To them, he promises Ephesians 1, 6, Ephesians 1, 6. He has made us accepted in the beloved, accepted in the beloved. There are those who just struggle just to make a living, just to get food just to have enough food to eat, like Job described people like that. In Job 15, 23, 15, 23, it says, he wandered about abroad for bread, saying, where is it? He knoweth not the day of darkness is ready at hand. To those who are afraid to die, they struggle with the fear of dying in life. And to those, he promises Philippians 4, 19, Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Then there are those who struggle to be rich. They just dream about, oh, if I only had more money, bigger bank account. And to them, he has promises, Matthew 6, 19. Matthew 6, 19. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust dust corrupt, but where thieves break through and steal. Lay up for yourself. And then he talks about treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. Then there are those who just are struggling in life because they know they have no purpose, no direction. Just get up in the morning, tell me what I gotta do. I'll do the routine, that's it. And to them, he promises Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. 
That's purpose. That's direction. So with all these feelings and struggles in life, a person feels that I'm just broken. A person would feel broken. He feels brokenhearted. He's afraid. And looking at himself that way with all the struggles, he'd say, well, the invitation is not for me. It's not for me. But when the Lord said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, that meant that the invitation is just for the broken, even though he may think the Lord really doesn't want him. Just like blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus was begging on the side of the road, calling out to Jesus, and he was told by others, keep quiet, the Lord doesn't want you, you're too broken, you're blind, you're begging, you're sitting on the side of a road, the Lord doesn't want to be bothered for you, you're just a poor blind man begging on the side of the road. It's very easy in life to feel like blind Bartimaeus and you see, where others see you as worthless, but it all changed for blind Bartimaeus when he heard the words from a person who said to him, rise, he calleth thee, in uh, Mark 10, 46. Mark 10, 46. They came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and to say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called, and they call the blind man, saying unto him, be of good cheer, rise, he calleth thee. And he casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. So the Lord's invitation in verse 28 is an invitation of rise, he calleth thee. So the first word that Bartimaeus heard when this began to change for him, was the word rise, get up. And that's an important word because rising up, that's something that blind Bartimaeus, he was blind, but he could get up. He could rise. It's something that he could do and something that he had to do in order to get this deliverance from being blind. So the invitation to come is first a call to rise. And that's an effort that the person has to make in order to help. And sometimes that rising is not easy. I got a communication this last week from a Daniel Klein who received the book Changed, and he called to say that he was raised in a Jewish home, and he came to know Christ in 1972. And now he's in a wheelchair in a rest home in New York, and he wants to help Jewish people to come to know Christ, but he wants to do it, he wants to write a book to help Jewish people understand what they must persevere through to come to Christ. So his book, he wants to explain the challenges and the conflicts that a Jewish person is going to face in coming to Christ. And he wants to encourage them that it's worth it. So when the Lord says in verse 28, come, he knows the challenges, he knows the conflicts, he knows the efforts that are gonna be required, and that's why, but he's also saying, I'll give you rest. In other words, it's worth it. It's worth it. There's a reward. Effort is needed to come to Christ. A person cannot come to Christ by just drifting to Christ. A person cannot come to Christ by floating to Christ, by being warm about it, by being indifferent. There's got to be intentional thought. There's got to be perseverance, prayer, diligence, sometimes a fight through all of the obstacles to come to Christ. 
just like what the prodigal son had to go through when he decided to leave the pigs and come home. And he said in Luke 15, 18, Luke 15, 18, I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. That's an effort that the person has to put in to come to the Lord. He's got to, I will arise and go. So the call to rise is a call to come to Christ. It's not a call to come to a new religion. Why? Because it's possible to come to Christianity without coming to Christ. The call to rise is a call to come to Christ. It's not a call to come to a new theology. Why? Because it's possible to believe a whole statement of faith and not come to Christ. The call to rise is not a call to come to a new church. Why? Because it's possible to come to church without coming to Christ. The call to rise is not a call to come to the Lord's table. Why? Because it's possible to come to the Lord's table without coming to Christ. The invitation is very important. Come, it doesn't stop there. It says, come unto me. The invitation is to come to a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the call in verse 28 is to come to the Lord Jesus and his promise is that he's gonna give rest. He's going to give rest. It's gonna come from his hands. Rest comes from the hands of the maker of man. John 1.3, John 1.3. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Who better would know the unrest of the heart than the maker of the heart? Isaiah 57.19, Isaiah 57.19. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord. I will heal him, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Who better would know how to give rest to the heart than the maker of the heart, who said in John 14, 27, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It's been very well said, man is made for Christ, and his heart is without rest until it find, until it rest in him. Now, and then when he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, you find rest unto your soul. His call is to take a yoke, his yoke upon. A yoke represents submission. It represents submission to work. If an oxen was a really wild ox and very rebellious and refused to take the yoke on his shoulder, then that ox refused to work. So coming to Christ involves submitting to Christ. It involves for direction in life, for to obey him. He calls the yoke in verse 29, my yoke, which means to be identified with Christ. In another place he said in Luke 9.23, Luke 9.23, he said unto them all, if any man will come after him, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, we all remember when Jesus took up his cross when it was loaded on him as he was to walk that, uh, what do they call it, Via della Rosa, Rosa, whatever it's called, the, the path of suffering there in Jerusalem. We had to walk through the city holding this cross. When a person walked through the streets of Jerusalem carrying his cross, there were certain statements that were being made. First statement is, 
carrying the cross, he's really saying, I have no more future in this world. My time in this world is coming to an end. I'm carrying this cross. Another statement that he's making there when he's carrying the cross is that I am viewed as shameful and worthless by the world. To follow, to follow Jesus is to follow a person whose very name is used as a swear word today. That's how despised he is. That's what it means to take up his yoke. That's what it means to carry his cross. Now, in verse 28, he said that after coming to him, he'd give rest. And in verse 29, he said that after taking his yoke and learning upon him, that the person would find rest. Oh, wait a minute, what is this? First he gives rest, then he finds rest. Well, there's two rests. There's two rests. Coming to Christ brings an initial rest right away to the soul. It's a gift. It's a gift of rest. He says in verse 28, I will give you rest. But then there's another rest that comes slowly to the soul, and it comes in measure as more is learned about Christ. And that's called a found rest in verse 29. Learn of me, and you shall find rest unto your souls. The more that a person learns about Christ, the more he finds a rest that comes to his soul. Now, the Lord is giving this invitation, and really, it's an invitation to a, about learning of him and finding rest. It's really an invitation to a new life. It's like uh, being born into a new life. And the new life comes with a new interest in life, a new preoccupation in life, a, a new meditation in life, a new delight in life. The new life he calls, in verse 29, it's a life of learn of me. It's a learn of me life. And the new interest in life is to be interested in Christ. The new life is to have a new preoccupation in life, which is to be preoccupied with Christ. It's a new meditation where our thoughts gravitate towards Christ. The new delight, learning about Christ. It's our new discovery about Christ. And, and what is it that we discover when we learn about Christ? First of all, we learn he is man. He is man, just like Adam. When Adam saw Eve and he said, she's like me. She's like me. And he made this statement in Genesis 2.23. Genesis 2.23, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That's what he called her. And our great discovery in life, as we learn, is that Christ is now bone of our bones and flesh of our flesh. He's 100% man. But our new discovery in life is also that Philippians 2.6, Philippians 2.6 who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Our new discovery is that he is God. He is man, but he is God. And the great discovery, as he talked about here, is in verse 29, verse 29, that he is meek and lowly in heart. He is God, he is man, but he is meek and lowly in heart. It's humility of Christ, it's the humility of God that we learn about. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? And these are the discoveries that are made in this new life and this new submission to Christ. And he says, it's gonna be such a change for you compared to the old life. Because the old life, verse 28, is one of laboring, heavy burden. But the new life, in verse 30, of learning of Christ, is going to be for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the new one. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the new life in Christ, who is Christ himself. We thank you for, for us to live is Christ. It's our life, Lord, all focused around him. 
Help it to be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.